feel really uh, set us up an uh, encounter with, with what, what it means to have a rule of life, what it means. Then he had that amazing trellis picture, didn't he? Um, and yeah, and so that's, that's kind of what we, we, our heart as leaders um, this year is that we want to get back to those foundations. Like what are we building our life on, both individually and as a, as a church community? What are we holding to? Why in our calendar do we have prayer weeks? Why in our calendar do we pursue learning and creativity? And we have these times written out, you know, why do we encourage that for you as individuals? And, um, and so we're going to be looking at that. So I, I really hope and I really pray that this year that, um, that our lives would be shaped and our lives would be um, yeah, built more to be like Jesus in this time, that we would get back to those basics of loving God, loving others and taking the gospel to the nation. So Jill, it is our absolute honour to welcome you on down. So um, yeah, let's give her a round of applause. Jill, I'm just going to pray for you. Um, yeah, Jesus, we just want to thank you for, for who Jill is, God. We thank you for her life of pursuit of your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that she is someone that sits at your feet and um yeah, just absorbs all of you. Jesus, thank you that it permeates out from her. God, thank you that she is someone that is a prophet, that brings your word and action and it changes stuff on earth. Thank you that she is a missionary that brings good news to the poor. Jesus, thank you that she is a leader that leads us on and challenges us and inspires us. And so, Jesus, I just pray for your fresh anointing over Jill today. Pray that you would fill her up to overflowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Cheryl. It's good to be here. Just let me untangle myself a bit. I can walk about. Yeah, it's a privilege to be here and uh, happy to be in this room with, um, I, yeah, I, I, I so clearly remember my first time here. You guys made me pick grapes and we stomped them with our feet and it was just like welcome to 24 7 you're just gonna really get in there right away and and I get activated and all of that and uh, yeah it was it was such a well I was new to the movement at the time you guys were the welcome right you were the welcome mat to the movement so it's all your fault that <laughs> <laughs> I'm here I left my family and moved from Canada yeah it's on you anyway so um yeah we're going to talk a little bit about prayer today. I was invited. I'm like, what on earth am I going to say to your community about prayer? You guys pray more than most of the other 24-7 communities. Don't tell them I said that. But you, you, I mean, you really are. You understand what it means to get up in the middle of the night and run these prayer weeks and run through. You've had times and seasons where you've all gathered together, you know, five nights a week or seven nights a week to pray into crisis situations and set up I remember when I came on our first visit and they, were, they showed me the prayer room that they'd set up in this school. And shockingly, before we did one hour of ministry in school, they did two hours of prayer before they did one hour of ministry. That was your ethos. That was like, I'm like, whoa, these guys are really serious about prayer. They know the why and they know the, the how and the what and it's important. So I think when I was talking to Charles about what I would do today, I just thought I would, I would just step in a bit as a, a living letter, not so much um, as somebody who's mastered prayer, <laughs> um, but as a pilgrim and, and just somebody on the journey. I feel like I have been on, uh, I was, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about my story, but my job has been primarily over the last 20 years, the biggest piece of my job description has been to pray. 
and, and whether it was I was an urban missionary in Canada uh, or, or here in the UK building another house of prayer at, at Waverly Abbey. And, um, and, um, and basically, after 20 years of doing that, my, I, I find myself again with the disciples going, oh, Jesus, can you teach me how to pray? Right? Just very aware that, um, that there's just a vast... Um, yeah, there's just a journey that, that I'm on, a journey that we're all on. So I just thought I'd, I would just share a little bit about my journey. So wh- while I'm doing that, I just want to encourage you to um, three things to pay attention to. And we're going to divide into groups in your tables for a little bit of discussion a few times through, because really you don't want to hear me talk for 45 minutes. I'm not that interesting. So, so you're going to do group work. and um, But I want you to pay attention to what are the aha moments when I speak, a moment where something kind of sparks in you and you're like, oh, wow, or like, yes, you know, the yes, the oh, yes moments. And I also want you to pay attention to the oh, no moments, right? The oh, really? You know, so what are you, what resonates with you? What are the aha? And what are the oh, no? What do you feel resistant towards? Because both of those movements of your heart are doorways to conversation with God and revelation to what's going on inside of you and what God might be inviting you into. So pay attention to the ahas, pay attention to the oh no's, because you're going to talk about it in your group afterwards together. And then maybe just think about where do you find yourself in the story? Where do I recognize myself on the journey? And, uh, and I think you'll probably be encouraged when you think about that, because you guys have been on a journey in prayer as a community. So, so I want to start with my, my basic introduction to prayer. I'm so glad that you guys showed that video of creating a prayer space for, for students, for kids, right? And, and I, I love that that's part of your DNA because for me, my whole journey, I didn't grow up in the church at all, not a churched kid. My dad became a Christian when I was 14 and I got sent away to a summer camp. I went to the summer camp because they had water skiing and because one of the camp counselors looked like Sting and I was madly in love with Sting at the time. So, <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, a Sting lookalike, that's second best. So well, I'll go there, I'll go to the summer camp. And, and we just did lots of, of fun stuff. I was 14 years old. The second last night of the summer camp, they said, I want you to go by yourself somewhere out on the campground and pray. And I had no idea what they actually meant or what I was being invited into. All I knew about prayer was, was back in the day. Remember the good old days where you actually got to recite the Our Father in school? Do you do that here still? No, no, <laughs> some schools. So, but back in the day, we were allowed to pray. And I had no idea we were praying. You just recited it. And then we, as Canadians, you know what else we did? God save our gracious queen, long live. <laughs> yeah, we sang that. <laughs> so we sang that and pledged allegiance to God, the queen of the country, all of that. So that was just part of that whole thing we did in the mornings. That's all I knew about prayer. And so I went um, by myself under a tree in the dark, sat down. I had no idea what to do. So I looked up, because I figured if there was a God, he'd be up. I don't know why. That was my 14-year-old logic at the time. I looked up, and I, I, <laughs> I said, hi, I'm Jill, because <laughs> I, I thought that was a polite way to start a conversation. You know? <laughs> I did not expect a response. But all of a sudden, underneath that tree, I felt a palatable, tangible presence of another. There was somebody under the tree with me that I could not see, but I could sense. And I was just like, 
Oh my goodness. So I did what every, you know, um, sensible teenager does when they encounter invisible beings in the dark. I ran from the tree back to my cabin <laughs> and just started to ponder it. Like, what just happened? What was that? The next day, they shared the gospel with us. They told us who Jesus was and what he had done. And they, they, they told me that, that Jesus was, was inviting me to become a disciple, to become an apprentice, to grow in relationship with him and to, to walk on the journey with him through the rest of my life. And my response, it would seem very logical for me at the time. I just was like, yeah, I'm in because must have been God under the tree because I can't imagine any other invisible, you know, being at the time and uh, and that just began my journey and that's why I think prayer rooms are so important I think they're so vital that we create these places of encounter and we invite children we invite young people and we invite adults to just go get by yourself start the conversation because who knows what can happen who knows change my whole life just that invitation and when I think about prayer, this is my definition of prayer. There might be far better definitions of prayer, but, but mine um, that I sort of have, have lived with over the last you know, couple of decades is prayer is communion and conversation with a God who loves you more than you could ever imagine and is closer to you than you ever dreamed. And I love communion and conversation. So because we think that prayer is about words, and I've learned over the years that prayer goes beyond words many, many times. And so communion and conversation with a God who is closer to you than you could ever imagine. So I learned, first of all, number one, God wants to have a conversation with me. God wants to talk. He wants that communion with me. He wants that conversation. God wants me. That was what got me, you guys. I'm like, if there is a God out there who created all of the universe and he actually wants to talk with me, and invite me into relationship. That's, I mean, those of us who've been Christians a long time, we're like, oh yeah, 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 okay. You know, but that is astounding. It is amazing and wonderful and, you know, a bit mind blowing. And um, so God wants to talk to us, number one. Number two, I've learned that prayer meetings are dangerous. There's <laughs> people going, mm, they are. So here's what I mean by that. <laughs> you know, I think about, anybody love the, the Narnia Chronicles? Right, very famous conversation between the children and Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, right? And they ask, they're asking about Aslan, about the Christ figure. And they say, oh, is he, is he safe? And is it Mrs. Beaver who goes, oh, no, <laughs> he's totally not safe, <laughs> but he's good. So if you're looking for a safe place to be, I would suggest that maybe a prayer meeting is not the safest place. And here's what I mean by that. I've learned over the years as I come into communion and a conversation with God, as his disciple, as his apprentice, that God reserves the right to interrupt my life and change its direction anytime he wants. Because when I gave myself to him as his apprentice, as his disciple, sometimes, every once in a while, he interrupts me and he's like, right, you know that thing you thought you were going to do? Let's do this instead. <laughs> And that happens to me most often in prayer meetings. So I had met Jesus. I'd been discipled through our school Christian clubs, going through high school and going through university. I had, um, yeah, long story short, ended up uh, working on a church planting team. 
in Canada, north of Toronto, and was getting trained as a church planter. For six years, I was on the team, and I, I was looking forward to ordination, becoming Reverend Jill. <laughs> I was looking forward to that moment where I could, like, plant my own church, and I worked in all the departments. I worked in the worship department and the kids' department and the administrative, and I learned all the bits and pieces about church planting. And uh, one day, I went to a prayer meeting that should have had a warning label. And, uh, and I think probably many of your prayer meetings should have warning labels. Because when we had asked God, invite God to come and speak, who knows what he's going to say. But I showed up very innocently in this prayer meeting, um, and, and I got interrupted. I got interrupted. I got invited. I saw there was a prayer community down in the States that was visiting my city. And they came, and they brought a team, and they, they introduced me to the idea of a house of prayer. I didn't know what a house of prayer was I didn't know even that was a, a thing and and for them a house of prayer was a collective of people from churches across a region who would then seek God night and day and pray 24 7 just to see what God wanted to do in that space because they wanted to see the gospel to go forth locally and internationally so they had a team come up and I and they were they were musicians and prayer people and they kind of mashed that up all together and and, and they, they cast vision for the prayer movement and houses of prayer. And, you know, this is 20 years ago, right? I had no idea. I had no framework of understanding. I didn't know. But you know what? I knew. So have you ever had a moment where everything inside of you just starts to, like, resonate? Right? And there's kind of resonant frequency. And something inside of me, I just knew in my knower <laughs> that I had been interrupted and that I had been invited onto this journey into becoming and leading a house of prayer. And I made the mistake at the end of the prayer meeting to go up to the lady who was leading it and shook her by the hand and said, so if you ever start anything like this locally, do let me know. I'd love to help. <laughs> Famous last words. And uh, so I, I got interrupted and then a year later was invited to come and bring leadership to this little house of prayer in southern Ontario. It's still going now, 20 years later. I actually snuck back to Canada in October and celebrated with them their 20th anniversary and just people across the city joining together to lift up prayer night and day because they wanted to see, uh, they wanted to resource the church. They wanted to help people pray. They want to help churches pray more. They want to help churches pray together. They want to see gospel champions raised up in that place to see the gospel go forth. Prayer meetings are dangerous. So I love that. That was, that was, you know, ended up being, it was hard, but it was good. And then I made the mistake of going to another prayer meeting probably five years ago. I was in Austria. I was in Salzburg. And uh, I had been invited previous to that. I had come here to visit, and Pete Gregg had taken me for a walk at Waverly Abbey. And he'd walked me through Waverly Abbey, if you're not familiar. Is a, it's the, the ruins of the first Cistercian monastery in the U.K. There's a big pile of leftover ruins. I mean, you've got ruins all over this country, but these, these guys... That people have been praying on that site there since 1128 until the dissolution of the monastery. So a big chunk of time. And before that, we found out the land had been given to a Celtic king and given over for a prayer community as early as the Council of Whitby. So we're looking at somewhere on this little island of yours called Great Britain where people had been praying for about a thousand years. And Pete took me through this, and he was like, Jill, you should come and help us build the house of prayer here. He's like, here's where your chapel could be. And, you know, he's, he's, he had his full-on Pete sales pitch, right? You know, this is where you could all live, and this is what you could build. And I looked at it, and I said, um, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> it's fun saying no to Pete, actually, but, um, yeah. <laughs> 
because I loved Hamilton. I loved the little house of prayer. I'd been building this little house of prayer for, you know, 15 years at that time and praying for our city and loving our city, praying for pastors in the city. So I had no intention of leaving. Much as you have a lovely country here, I had no desire to move here. <laughs> Much as you were lovely people, I loved my lovely people back at home. And um, so I said no, and then I made the mistake of going to a prayer meeting. So what happens at a prayer meeting is God reserves the right to interrupt your life and change his direction anytime he wants. And I, I went to this prayer meeting, and I'm going to tell a story that's going to make me sound like a complete wingnut. Are you guys ready? I'm going to sound like a total crazy person, and then you probably won't listen to anything else I say, but that's all right. It's a fun story. So um, <laughs> so I was, I was praying with the Loretto gang. So Loretto is a charismatic Catholic movement. They love the Lord, um, and, uh, but they're, they're Catholic. So, you know, they're, it's, it's super fun praying with them because they'll have, like, you know, the latest worship songs going. And, uh, and, but, but first you walk in, and they're all praying the rosary, which I'm like, not even sure what's going on there. Anyway, so they're doing that. And then they had all these contemporary worship songs that we would sing at our church. And then at the end, they, um, they had this time where people would just kneel in the presence of the Lord together. And they just knelt. It was like, I guess that's what Catholics do. They just kneel. And so, you know, I got on the floor too, and I, I, I kind of knelt, and there was this sense of the Lord's presence. And as I was kneeling, all of a sudden, I just had this bizarre kind of vision experience where just little me kneeling on the floor sort of shape-shifted into a little boat. And, uh, and I just thought, I don't know what's going on here. This feels really weird. And, and uh, I just thought, I'm this little boat. And... and uh, and the word coracle came to my mind at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't really familiar with that word, but I was like, okay, so you're praying and something weird happens and you're like, I don't know what that was, but okay, God, if it was from you, then sure, whatever, you know, that'd be great. And uh, on the plane ride home from that prayer meeting, somebody had given me the Celtic Book of Daily Prayer. And so I opened it up just randomly and opened up to a page that started talking about coracles. And with coracles, with these little round boats that the, the, the Irish monastics, when it was time for them to start a new prayer community, they got in a little boat. <laughs> they pushed off from shore, and wherever the wind and the water took them, that's where they began. And, uh, and I knew in that moment that I had been interrupted and I had been invited. So I had that embarrassing moment where I sat down with Pete and said, you know that thing that I said no to? <laughs> All right, I guess I'm in. And uh, so I just got interrupted. And so if you want a nice, comfy life that doesn't get disrupted in any way, then don't go to a prayer room. Don't go to a prayer meeting. But if you want to be invited on adventure into the purposes of God, into uncharted territory, if you want to go in the dangerous places and the dangerous spaces, then prayer meetings are dangerous. And I think that's wonderful. Anyway, so... So prayer meetings are dangerous. That's number two. Number one, God wants a conversation with me. Number two, prayer meetings are dangerous. Number three, prayer doesn't have to be boring. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, prayer doesn't have to be boring. I remember the first time I was invited. Well, I'll read you this passage. Isaiah 56, verses 6 and 7. I'm talking about the house of prayer. Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord. That's Gentiles. Anybody here in the room not Jewish? Not Jewish? All right. Okay, so this is us. So foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep his Sabbath without desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, 
Here's what he says. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. I learned on that prayer could be enjoyable. Actually, the first time somebody pointed, they said, you know what, Jill? You're an intercessor. And I was like, inter water? I didn't even know what the word meant, right? They're just It was an unfamiliar term to me. Like, no, 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 you're an intercessor. You're a prayer warrior. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, not interested because actually I'm a worship leader. And so as a worship leader, I get to be the one at the front being happy and singing the songs and being full of the joy of the Lord. And uh, all of the prayer people I knew at that time were like really depressed people in the back. <laughs> Like under the weight of the burden of the Lord, you know. You know, or, or they'd be praying over the meeting with like this really pain-filled face expression on their face, you know. And I didn't have a high view of prayer at the beginning. I thought that the prayer team was the team that you assign people to who actually weren't useful in any way. <laughs> like you don't have any real skills. So we'll just add you to the prayer team. <laughs> and so that was that was what I thought prayer was. And so... <laughs> I was like, oh no. And so anyway, but I learned, <laughs> I learned that we could find joy in the place of prayer and joy in the house of prayer. And, and here's how I learned it. I learned it because for me, I talked about that prayer meeting where I had got interrupted, that first one where they took worship and prayer and they kind of mashed it up together. You know, they just started opening the Bible and just making up their own tune to the book of Psalms. And I was just watching them make up a song on the spot and just started singing their prayers just spontaneously. And I had by that time been a worship leader for 10 years. And I was like, what? Are you even allowed to do that? <laughs> right? Because I was just like, you had a song sheet and you kept your song sheet. And, you know, and, and, and when I discovered that I could at home in my room, open my Bible and just start to sing and sing my prayers to God. That for me as a musician, as a worship leader, that was my on-ramp. That was like, all right, I'm in. That made, that made prayer accessible to me and that made prayer joyful for me. And, uh, and even my husband was so funny. My husband's a drummer. And so I was all on this like, yeah, we could sing our prayers. This would be really good. And he's like, well, it doesn't work if you're a drummer. Like I need some kind of melodic instrument. And so, so he said, okay, I'll, I'll learn the guitar a bit. So he decided to learn the guitar. And uh, he learned two chords on the guitar, two chords. And, and, um, uh, and so he was really excited because he thought the two chords that he learned made him sound like Pink Floyd. <laughs> so he got these really cool two chords and he'd play his two chords. And he would sit like for hours with his two guitar chords and his Bible open and he'd just start singing really out of tune because he can't hold a tune at all. Um, his, his Pink Floyd prayers. And um, yeah, and it, he just, it just made it accessible to him. It was wonderful. So what I want to do in your groups is I, I, I want you to think about what was your on-ramp to prayer? What has made prayer, what types and, and modes of prayer or things that you have tried in prayer have made prayer accessible and enjoyable to you? Is that all right? Okay, so five minutes. Just do it at your tables. Donnie, do you want to join that one? And Right. So over the years, I've learned that God wants to have a conversation with me. I've learned that prayer meetings are dangerous. I've learned that prayer can be enjoyable. That doesn't mean that prayer is always enjoyable. 
you know, praying daily is a bit like you're taking vitamins. Sometimes you feel like taking them, sometimes you don't. They're always good for you. So, <laughs> but, uh, but we can find joy in the place of prayer. I think the other thing I want to talk about um, is sometimes God gives prayer assignments. This certainly has been my experience over the years. And I'll, I'll just give you one example of that. At the very beginning of our House of Prayer in Canada, we had a gnarly old prophet guy come up from the States to visit us. And, uh, and so he was, prophets are usually quite odd. And anyway, he was, he was quite odd. <laughs> and we had this long meeting with him at the beginning of our House of Prayer. And at one point in the meeting, he looked at me and he pointed his beefy finger at me. <laughs> and he said, there are pastors in this region who are appointed to die unless you pray for them. At which point I'm like, <laughs> you know, and then he looked me up and down. I was 30 years old at the time. And he said, whoa, you are awfully young for that kind of assignment. And it just felt really like, oh my goodness. So what are we going to do now? It's like, there's like no pressure, Jill. <laughs> so we started a prayer meeting as part of our, our prayer community for pastors and leaders. And so every Tuesday, this is what our Tuesday mornings look like. We would get together for an hour of worship because we wanted to find joy in the house of prayer. So we learned that if we worship first, <laughs> we can get in God's presence and just love him and find lots of joy there. And so we spend an hour of worship. Then we spend the second hour interceding, praying for pastors and leaders in our region. And then the third hour, we would invite a pastor to come in for a little prayer appointment. And so we just got to know them over the years, different ones in our area. And we would say, you know, how would you feel about a group of people who don't belong to your congregation just praying for you and praying for you personally, just as a person? And they were like, oh, yeah, sign me up, <laughs> right? Because they do. They need prayer and they need support. And so our team, I, we taught them we had a secret code, the secret code. And so if the pastor came in was like a Baptist or, you know, Dutch Christian reform, not a charismatic pastor, I would say to my team, we're just going to listen to God together for pastor so-and-so. And so the team knew that they had to kind of dial back what they said. They were going to be, no, thus saith the Lord's and... You know, no, no, like, oh, I see an eagle come and land on your head. You know, no vision, stuff like that. <laughs> and then just basically just ask God for scriptures that would bring encouragement to those pastors. And, uh, but if, if the pastor was more charismatic in their inclination, I would say to the team, all right, we're going to pastor, we're going to prophesy over pastor so-and-so. So they knew that was our secret code, that they could just let loose with the eagles landing on their heads and the thus saith and, and all of that. And we had a good time. And I remember one day praying with a Baptist pastor, a friend of mine, and, um, and you know what? He sat there, and they read his mail. You know, they just, they just unpacked his heart line by line by line. They didn't know him. You know, they didn't know anything, but they knew God, and they knew how to pray for pastors. And, uh, and we walked up out of the prayer room, and his eyes were just wet. And he said, oh, you know, he said, there's no way to describe what just happened there except that God was involved. And my response to him was like, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, that the, what they said kind of landed in your heart. I said, more importantly, though, did you feel safe and did you feel loved? That's, that was the criteria for us. Did you feel safe? Did you feel loved? And, and so they've, been, they've continued that since I've left. So they have been praying for local pastors and leaders in our region every Tuesday for 20 years. For 20 years. 
And so they just know it's an assignment. And so I think many of you could probably identify some kind of prayer assignment. Now, we pray for lots of other things, too, but we just know that that's one specific thing that God has asked us to steward. I think I wonder maybe if some of your assignment has been around schools, perhaps, <laughs> and praying for schools. I think each community and each individual, God can give you specific prayer assignment. So as you're thinking about growing in prayer as individuals and as a community, pay attention to your assignment. I've got two more. Here we go. Next, next one. God is a gardener. God is a gardener. God, God is ultimately creative. And I'll just tell you a couple of what that looked like for us back in Canada was uh, uh, we lived in a really, we just felt really challenged by the Lord to move into one of the poorest neighborhoods of our city, to relocate so that we could actually live amongst the urban poor and pray from the middle rather than from the outside praying in. And so a bunch of us did. We shared houses. We moved into that neighborhood. And, uh, and, and the, it wasn't a very pretty neighborhood. <laughs> there weren't a lot of gardens in that neighborhood. And there was a girl who lived in our community house who, who loved gardens and loved gardening. And so she did what we call guerrilla gardening. And so what she would do is she would go out at night with like pockets full of seeds, like wildflower seeds in the spring. And she would go to all the local parks and stuff and little areas like abandoned lots with mattresses and couches and junk on it and she would plant flowers <laughs> that was her thing she would just plant flowers and I felt like for us God taught us about guerrilla gardening just planting seeds through prayer in these neighborhoods so one of the things that we did we had a team that uh, there's a street in our city called Barton Street and Barton Street is notorious for like a little bit of the good mostly the bad and the ugly on this street lots of sex trade and and, um, and she had a prayer team that prayed for every single business on Barton Street, including the strip club and the massage parlors. And uh, so she, had, she herself would go with a friend, and they would go into each business and say, we have a prayer team that would love to pray for you. How could we pray for you? And then they would take those prayer requests back to her prayer team and would pray over them. And there was one day that she walked into one of the massage parlors, um, which was really, you know, you know what I mean, by, you know, a brothel disguised as a massage parlor. And, uh, and so she went in and she asked the girl at the front desk, you know, can we pray for you? And she's like, mm, you know, and, but it's amazing. People will say yes, right? They'll say yes, because somebody's got an aunt who's sick or something, you know, everybody's got something that they would like help with. And, uh, and there was, so she told her prayer request and then there was this big beefy guy, because sometimes these massage parlors have bouncers. Right? They've got big guys who are sort of watching over the place. And, and, uh, and the girl's like, oh, you should pray for, I don't remember what his name was, Joe or something, because he's got this thing going on with his eye, and maybe you could pray for him. And so my friend was like, okay, it's not often that I pray for healing for a bouncer in a massage parlor, but here we go. And <laughs> she just kind of prayed for healing for his eye, and then she just kind of went on to the other businesses down the road. But what she does is she loops through that neighborhood regularly. You know, so she doesn't just do a one-off. She, so she, they get to know her over the years. And uh, again, there's this consistency, doing stuff consistently over a long period of time. Next time she came to the massage parlor, the girl at the desk was like, oh, oh, you're back, you're back, you're here, you never guess what happened. The guy got healed. The guy got, and they were so excited to tell her that after she left, his eye just completely cleared up. And uh, anyway, God is a, a gorilla gardener. Our, our prayer room actually ended up being in the basement of a social enterprise cafe in the red light district. So I would get up out of the prayer meeting and I'd step on the sidewalk, you know, to wait for a friend to pick me up and other cars would slow down. And he'd be like, yeah, no, not for sale. No, you just keep driving. 
<laughs> that was the kind of the district that we lived in and, and prayed in. And we had a wonderful time building community with all of the folks in our neighborhood who would come into that coffee shop for free coffees and stuff. And, and actually just going on the prayer journey with them. And um, yeah, anyway, I could spend hours and hours with lots of stories. Um, I forgot to mention, I actually brought two books um, that if you're interested, there's, we've got Pete's book, How to Pray. So if you haven't read that, Simple Guide for Normal People, although I don't know if Pete classifies as a normal person, but, but that's um, so How to Pray. And then actually, if you want to hear more of our story of prayer, there's, there's called Even the Sparrow. Um, and so I'm, I feel like I'm just giving you tidbits. If you want to read more, that's there. I think just 10 pounds each of those. So 10 pounds or two for 20. That's a special deal. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, we just discovered God was interested in all kinds of prayer. Fast forward, lots of fun prayer experiments in Hamilton, moved to the UK, started working in the UK, started building a house of prayer in the UK, and actually did a bunch of guerrilla gardening in the UK too, in the context I was working half-time for Emmaus Road Church. It's like being the prayer director at Pete Gregg's church. No pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure at all. I'm like, oh Lord, help me build prayer here. And, and I felt like I scattered a whole bunch of seed in the congregational life and around prayer and then COVID happened and COVID happened and, and what happened with COVID there we go sorry it's like Jill sh oh, should we stop well why don't we say the Lord's Prayer and then continue right is that okay all right why don't we sorry <laughs> our father in heaven except you guys do it different I need somebody who's British to lead it properly Caroline Caroline, Caroline, Caroline. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You are yours the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, last, last point. We'll bring it to home. <laughs> I discovered that God's got rhythm. <laughs> God's got rhythm. And here's what I mean by that. COVID happened. And amazingly, all of the seeds that, that I've been planting for prayer in the Emmaus community and to see a house of prayer started at Waverly, it was like God slapped a big old greenhouse on top of all of those seeds, and everything began to spring up. Pete had wanted to have 8 a.m. morning prayer at church for a dog's age for a couple of years. He's like, yes, morning prayer, we'll gather the congregation. And I'm like, Pete, that's never going to happen. It's a London commuter church. Everybody is on the train to London at 8 a.m. or they're on the school run taking their kids to school. And uh, so it's like, it's not going to work, not going to happen. And, uh, and then one day, the Lord, before COVID, the Lord said to me, um, you got to stop saying that, that it's not going to happen. And then COVID happened. And nobody was going on the train to London, <laughs> and nobody was taking their kids to school, right? We were all locked down. And so we started prayer rhythms. We began gathering the church online on Zoom. Uh, come on up here, Donnie. Um, 8 a.m. prayer every day. They've, uh, and, and then we added midday prayer so that on Zoom, again, 1230, Monday to 
Thursday, four days a week, midday prayer, and then evening prayer, like a, a prayer of examine every evening. So I just want Donnie to share what your experience of that was like and uh, yeah, how you discovered God's got rhythm. Yeah, thanks. Um, this is Donnie, everybody. Hello, hi. <laughs> hi. Um, so, yeah, we'd gone into lockdown, and then I found out pretty quickly, I think through the website, actually, that we were doing morning prayers at 8 o'clock. So I um, went to one. I think I went to one staying in bed because, you know, video and all that, video off. Um, and I very strongly felt God say after the first one, you need to get up and get in front of this every morning. I'm like, okay, because it was really cool. And the system is, it's the P-R-A-Y, Pete's, Pete's book. Um, we, we pause and we, re we, we rejoice. So we have worship leaders there who do a couple of songs. We have real people with a real guitar. Um, um, and then we, we just contend for whatever's going on, really, don't we? There was a lot of COVID prayer in the beginning, and then we do the, the yielding and just, you know, giving ourselves to God for the rest of the day. But we do that for 40 minutes, and that's been going on now for almost two years. But the amazing thing was, I was feeling quite disconnected. Um, we hadn't been in Emmaus, well, we had actually been in Emmaus a few, uh, a couple of years, but it felt quite disconnected because a very big church. We're used to this. We used to, uh, my husband and I, we're used to small church where you just get stuck and everybody knows each other and it was really quite hard. But the morning prayer really catalyzed so many things. Um, Jill kept offering wonderful courses on Saturday mornings. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. Um, and then they started evening prayer and then everything. And so having, I've noticed if you have one rhythm in your life, it's so much easier to input other rhythms as well. Um, so my own prayer life became bigger <laughs> because of, I started that. So after morning prayer, I will now spend time with God doing this. It's grown um, and it's still there. And we still have about 50 people every morning who turn up on Zoom to pray. Um, and it's just one of many rhythms that are, keeping going that that God's and and God's just kind of led from one thing to the next um really so the rhythms now we we're, we're doing all kinds of things um we're now doing can I talk about so my heart, God put on my heart, I don't know, sometime in the spring about for pilgrimage and it's like what is that don't you just go for a walk and kind of carry heavy packs and kind of pray didn't sound very interesting but then Prayer on Zoom didn't sound very interesting when you say, let's pray on Zoom together. Um, and looked more into it. And we're doing lots of walking anyway. And then God just, just kind of opening doors and opening doors saying, well, actually, this is and it's this and it's prayer. And it's just carrying and contending and being in the mountains. We were in the mountains in the summer. And it was just like, God, you're here. And this is amazing. So you just pray while you're walking because you can't help yourself, actually. Um, and just uh, as of this month, we're now starting a monthly pilgrimage, pilgrimage walking um, and um, seeing how we can make that a rhythm and we've got a rhythm within it as well. So we're doing the P-R-A-Y within that, but we're also looking about how to maybe carry something as a journey as well and look at that together. Um, it's like it started, but it's the start of many, many things really. And it's just growing in all different. That's my story. Every single person of 50 to 100 people has a story um, as well that they can say of how much God has been planting in them from the seeds and the greenhouse that's grown. I think if, if we brought everybody here who was on Zoom prayer, we'd be here for the next week, I would say. So, yeah, thanks, Jill. Thanks, Donnie. God's got rhythm. I found um, 
you know, as somebody who had, had, had built a lifestyle of prayer for a long, long time, to actually have a prayer community that I had to show up for every day, you know, a few times a day, because I do it with the Order of the Mustard Seed as well. So between the Order of the Mustard Seed and what we do, at the, we've got about seven or eight watches a day, so I don't do them all. But, um, and, and so the days when I didn't feel like praying, I showed up anyways. I sort of dragged my sorry butt to the Zoom and pushed the button. <laughs> and, and other people's prayers held me. Other people's prayers held me, and I could just sit there, because I don't know about you guys, but I was like this during COVID, right? I was like, woo, awesome. No, not awesome. You know, had lots of not awesome moments, and those not awesome moments, I could just show up. And Donnie maybe was having an awesome moment that day, and I could be lifted and held by how God was using and leading Donnie through prayer. And Anyway, so we could go on and on. We're not going to. I'm more interested in you guys as a group, thinking about, and maybe just do it in groups of two, because I think time has gone on us, but um, um, I want you to think about what were the aha moments and what we shared? What were the oh no's? So what did, I, what did I resonate with? What do I feel resistant towards? And where did I find myself in the story? And then at the end, I'll just pray for all of us. Is that okay? So find one other person. So I've learned that God wants a conversation with me. I've learned that prayer meetings are dangerous. (laughs) I've learned that prayer can be enjoyable, that God can give assignments. I've learned that God is a gardener, and I've learned that God's got rhythm. So I just want to pray for you. Is that all right? And uh, Father, I just thank you for this praying community, this faithful, faithful praying community. And... um, yeah, just as I'm praying for you, just a picture in my mind's eye of you guys being this little garden that's sprouting up. But as the Lord puts this trellis behind you, all of a sudden things grow bigger and brighter and more beautiful. And so, Father, I just pray for them as they, they really take to heart this concept of having a, a, a common rule of life, things that they do together, exploring these six practices, Lord, that you would grow them up to the full measure the full stature of maturity in Christ and that they would shine as children of light in a dark generation Lord that many would see (laughs) many would see your goodness and your glory amongst them and that there would be this attractive quality to their lives that would draw children and men and women to you in Jesus name amen